Hello, legends. Welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today we're catching up with an incredible young woman, Carla. Let me try and get her last name correctly. It's Greek and it's difficult, but Efstratiou. She's an incredible young businesswoman that owns two businesses, um, a vintage online fashion retailer called Gone Tomorrow Vintage and a fast fashion store called Style Hub. Me and Carla had a brilliant conversation about her journey from starting her business at just the age of 22 to where she is today and all the lessons uh, that she's learned along the way. It was an inspiring story and there's tons and tons of valuable information in this episode. I hope you enjoy the show. We are live. I saw Laura press the button. So welcome Ooh, to the show. Thank you. Um, obviously very excited to have you here. You you must be a member for a long time now. How long have you been a yeah, member? Yeah, I think three years. Is that all? I actually felt like it was going to be longer. Oh, really? Well, yeah. actually. I feel like in, I've known you for a long time. I think, no. um, I think in February it'll be four years. Okay. Yep. Wow. Yeah, so three and, and a half. what made you join? Because you would have been quite young at that point, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, I think I joined at like 27. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think I joined mainly because, you know, like it – when you're quite young, a lot of your friends are more on that corporate trajectory rather than being small business owners. So um, I didn't really have anyone around me um, that I could kind of talk to about starting a business and like what to do and, um, you know, the highs and the lows of it. So I was kind of looking for a place where I could talk about these things with like-minded people and I just saw like a cub um, ad come up on Did Facebook. You? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this looks like good. You know, like the image on the, the photo was like young people or like, you know, having a drink in a really relaxed setting and I thought like that's what I like to do and especially if it's about business then um, it could be a place where I would really fit in. So um, I actually reached out I think to Anthony. How then, funny. Um, yeah, and uh, like we just had a chat and I just, when I went into the clubhouse, I really kind of felt at home straight away. Like we had a drink and um, it was a Friday afternoon so it was really chilled and I was like, these are people I can get around. Oh, how good. And, yeah. and have you built, I guess, friendships with a lot of the members yeah, definitely. Like, you know, have you kind of gr- have you built your own kind of business community now? For sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, like a lot of my really good friends are actually from Cub, which is so so nice to have. Um, because I've got obviously like my outside of business friends, yeah. um, and then like my Cub friends who we just like not only talk about business, but like we go out and have yeah. dinner and go for you drinks. have that in like, common. Definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that brought us together. And I think you're just attracted to like-minded people as well. So, yes, we talk about business, but because we're all of a similar mentality, um, it's brought us together in other ways as well. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. A lot of people say to me, uh, like I do catch-ups with members every month, just random members normally, but, but a lot of them will say to me, yeah, yeah, it's been great. But one of the best things, um, you know, that happened – I wasn't even expecting, which was I actually made really good friends. Like I made great friendships. I was like, you're supposed to be expecting that. That's basically our job is like to build relationships. We facilitate that. Yeah, but, you know, like a lot of the other business communities are so sterile and, you know, the networking events are just so forced and you don't think that you'll actually find lifelong friends from them. You think that you'll go to an event and it'll be like small talk. Yeah, and just super like, you know, this – you know, you wear a name tag and you're like, my name's Carla and this is my business. And it's just very, very structured. But with Cub, like, it's kind of surprising when you go in and you actually genuinely like the people. <laughs> like I have, so I ha- um, I've got a WhatsApp group with five other Cub members and like, we literally talk every day, every oh, day. Good. Well, you're not going to need that soon because when the new app launches, yeah. you're going to be able to connect and help each other a lot more effectively yeah, than cool. just a WhatsApp. So actually in our research for building the app, when we spoke to members, mm-hmm. a lot of them would say, oh, you know, we're just building WhatsApp groups at the moment. Um, but, you know, obviously we're looking for to, we would be great to be able to do this and to do this. And I don't want to say all the features just yet because yeah. I don't want to release the app. But, and so we just used all the things that they wanted to do and put them in the app. So uh, actually we should probably, I'll show you the app next month. We're yes. doing testing next month. Oh, so awesome. I'll show I'd it to you and get your, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can be the guinea pig. I'll, I'll, I'd love to get your opinion on it. But, and so you joined Cub 
um, uh, because you were young, you were 27, you, you, you had a growing business. How, how old were you when you started your business? I started when I was 22. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. You were younger than I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was. Yeah, super young. And and did you always want to be in business or what made you start at such a young age? Yeah, I've definitely always wanted to be in business. Um, I am not very good at taking instructions and, you know, having to answer to a boss who I don't really respect. Um, so, and I learned that really early in life. I, like I've had a few like retail jobs and um, I've had like one office job, um, which I had during uni. And that just really cemented the fact that I hated working um, A, in like a sterile office environment and B, for people and bosses that I just don't respect. And so you don't respect them because you didn't um – you didn't like their culture or their, their ethics towards business or what was yeah. just bad bosses? Yeah, I think it's more about the way that they run the business. So in that one job that I had, um, you know, it was during the transition from kind of print to digital. Um, I have a journalism background, so that's that's my d- first degree. Um, and I worked in like a kind of PR, you know, like PR writing kind of role. And so it was the transition from like, print magazines to digital and this particular company was trying to get all of their um, stuff online and I was there in the middle of it which was actually really interesting and I had because I was quite young I was really into social media at the time um, and I was actually quite good at it because you know that's what young people do Um, but when I tried to provide some insight and give my opinions on how they should transition um, and go onto social media and things like that they just completely dismissed everything I had to say and I think it was you know it could have been really crap suggestions I don't know but I think it was more because I was really young and um, they didn't think that I knew what I was talking about but I think in business which is kind of what I learned from them is that it doesn't matter um, how inexperienced or how young your team is, if they've got, if they've got like experience in the area that you're looking at, like social media, um, and they've got ideas and are willing to try them, then I think it's only right that you give them a try. Mm. Um, or at least let them know that their, their opinion or thoughts are valued. Yeah, of course. It's kind of like now with TikTok. Like I don't really know anything about TikTok, but I've got young people in my team who are so good at it and I just give them complete control over doing everything with our TikTok because I know that they are so much better at it and it comes so much more natural to them. So the result is going to be better. So when a when a 70 year old you know woman is not taking my advice on how to best be on Facebook then that's kind of a problem i yeah. would think yeah. so <laughs> so so, um, so my lesson from that was that even if you're like if you're in a position of power and if you're a boss in a company you don't know everything so it's it's best to have a team around you. You know, you've hired this team for a reason. And if they seem to know what they're talking about in a particular area that you know nothing about, then give them a go and like at least be open to their you know, opinions and perspective on things. Completely agree. Otherwise they might leave and become competition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and well, why don't we introduce your companies? Because you have two companies at the yes. moment, don't you? Yes. So um, I'm in the fashion space. So my first company that I started when I was 22 is Style Style Hub. Um, and that's a fast fashion company. We've got um, one store in Westfield Bondi Junction. Um, we used to have more stores, but I'm just down to one now um, and an online store. So it's basically fast fashion for um, kind of 14 to 25 year old women. It's just like, you know, going out clothes. Like if someone has a party on the weekend, they need like a cute little dress and they come to us and we've got them covered. Um by no means is it, you know, reinventing the wheel. I was, I, I was young. I just wanted to get into fashion and I found some clothes that I liked and I got them from China and resold them. Like that's basically the business and it's how it stands today. Um, the other one is a vintage clothing brand. So we um, do streetwear vintage and we import um, mainly T-shirts but also like denim um, from the US. So we get all of our stuff from L.A., Um, And it's mainly T-shirts, like Levi's. We do a lot of Harley Davidson, um, Nike and – So it's online vintage clothing. Yes, online vintage. 
And really, because if you think about it, that's kind of a niche in its own because most vintage you find in like, I know in like Potts Point where I live, you walk in the little streets and there's like old vintage stores yeah. with the clothes. That like it, it's not an online, like it's not trendy to buy what, it's not typical to buy vintage online. Yeah, well, I mean, that was one of our main selling points. Like we started selling vintage online probably about five years ago. Um, and at that time, no one was doing it. I've, I'm pretty sure – I don't want to like. You'd be one of the first. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. Well, like I'll say it so you don't. You were the first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure like we were one of the first. Yeah. Um, and that was really cool. And I think that's why it took off so well um, when I first started because no one was doing it. And no one did it because it's actually logistically really hard to do. In vintage, every piece is a one-off item. So um, just logistically putting that online, we have to photograph every single piece of clothing that we put onto the website and once it's gone, it's gone. So it's not the most efficient way to run an online business. You know, usually in e-commerce you put something up and you have a hundred pieces of that. So it can stay on the website for quite a while and your costs of, you know, photography and models and stuff go down. Um, but in vintage, yeah, you take one photo and it, it could be gone one second after you put it online. So that's so true. I've never yeah. thought about it. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So it's not the and, most efficient. And so how do you structure your business um, in order to be more uh, capable of, of running, operating that way? Because obviously then you do have – your point of difference being online vintage would create you to – or force you to have some different – uh, core capabilities than other mm. online retailers. How yeah. did you learn to, to adjust that? Yeah, well um – we don't use models for our photography. We just put the T-shirts on a coat hanger and we put it on a wall and we photograph it. So, and then um, we probably put up- Is that because like, it's cheaper? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because okay. you have to do so much more of it Because we do so much, Every yeah. piece Every piece one. is a one-off. Okay, yeah. So it That's was, a great example, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, it doesn't look the best, but once again with vintage, everything is so imperfect, like, the customer doesn't really mind. And if they want to have a picture of it on a model, like, I'll just put it on and- you know, someone will take a picture of me and we'll put, we'll send it to them via email or through Instagram. Um, so, and also cause it's unisex, like I'm not going to have the t-shirt the on a male and a female, like it just becomes so costly and really inefficient. Yeah. So we just put it on a coat hanger, put it on a wall, um, take the photo and it sells like that. Yeah. And but yeah. when you imagine the in-shop, the in-shop experience of vintage, it's not like a glamorous experience. No, like when, you, you know, when you're buying, uh, I don't know, let's say you're buying an old pair of Chanel heels or something, mm -hmm. like a vintage pair, not mm -hmm. old pair of, of, of Chanel heels. If you go and get the new pair, like it's a full glammed up experience, yes. they're giving you champagne and whatnot. But the old pair, normally you are finding it in like these really small vintage shops mm -hmm. in like trendy neighbor, neighbourhoods. So you are just translating that experience online. Well, yeah, it's a different yeah. experience for sure. And people who shop vintage don't expect that kind of experience. They kind of like that it's a bit shabby chic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's it's all about branding, right, and, and how you push out your brand to the customer and how you're perceived. And um, with vintage, we know our customer really well and we know that they want the best price. Their major thing is that the piece is um, really unique and it's one-off and they don't really care how it's presented. It's more that they have that piece. Um, so that's what we focus on. And with the online store, like, yeah, we'd, as, as long as the customer can see all of the faults and and the print on the um, on the T-shirt and what year it was from, what city it was from in the US. Like that's the things that really count to them, um, not having it on some model, you know. Yeah, so. it's, it's and, and that's really cool because you obviously understand your customer so well, why they're, why they're purchasing yeah, your product. And if the answer is that it is so unique, mm -hmm. then in your marketing of it, you're obviously emphasizing the uniqueness of yes. like, look, it's fake. You know, this picture's faded here because it's it's old. Well, because it, it's it, from 1985. Exactly, but so that's like, unique. You know, yeah, like it's that's from 1985. It. It's from New Jersey, and you know, like it, all these little factors yeah. create this single piece that is yes. just theirs now. Well, it's that's what I love about vintage, and it's every piece has a story. That's what I really love about it, and the fact that it has. It may have a hole in it, but like that's a good thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> cool. Know, like, yeah. <laughs> it, Marilyn it, Monroe's dog might have bit that. Yes, you know? <laughs> exactly. Who and knows? like it could be from you or know, Bill Clinton. LA. Like, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> so, um, 
I don't know. Like we can kind of get away with that stuff in vintage um, because it's just so unique and that's what I love about the, the whole concept. I agree. And and just to go back also to Style Hub uh, and, and so, sorry, what was the vintage company called? Gone Tomorrow Vintage. Oh, that's awesome name. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I've known you for so so long and I've always known Style Hub, but I, I never, we never had a discussion about Gone Tomorrow. Yeah, so there's a bit of a story there. So what happened is that um, we we started selling vintage on Style Hub website and in store probably about in 2015, I would say, um, just because I had shops and um, I was surrounded by very similar fast fashion shops around me in the shopping centres and I wanted a point of differentiation. So I wanted us to be a little bit more edgy and trendy. So uh, I've always loved vintage clothing from when when I was like 14 years old. I've always had vintage. So I thought I'll just put some into Style Hub just to make it a bit different. Um, So I put it in there. It sold straight away. Like it was such a hit. Um, I just put a few t-shirts. I actually went down to Surrey Hills and asked, um, there's a shop there called Storeroom Vintage, which is still there now. And I asked them if I could wholesale like 30 t-shirts from them, um, paid an absurd amount of money for them. And I just wholesaled them, put them in the shop. So I pay, I remember I paid $30 per t-shirt for them and I sold them in the shops for $90. Um, so that was my little margin. So it was good. Um, they all sold straight away. And I was actually really surprised at how quickly they sold. Like it's quite a high price point for a vintage t-shirt. Um, but it's a high, I guess it's a high price point for a t-shirt for young women. You yes, know. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But that's another lesson I learned. Like you can actually price vintage a lot higher because of that whole romantic story it's got about it. Um, so they sold straight away and I was like, Hmm, I'm onto something here. So, um, went to storeroom again. I ordered like a hundred t-shirts this time, got them sold out straight away. So, okay. <laughs> i got to stop paying this storage. I know, I know. (laughs) So um, then I think like that year in, I don't know, end of the year, I went to LA and I like spocked out some vintage wholesalers um, before I got there and then I had a list of about three that I went to visit when I was over there. I think I went for like five days. Um, Went there, bought a whole bunch of stuff, shipped it back um, here, started selling it in the stores again, it was a much cheaper price at this point. It was like, I don't know how much I was paying, maybe like $15, um, sold them for the same price. So my margins were much bigger. And um, once again, like just sold out. So I was like, this vintage stuff is, is taking <laughs> over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's selling more than like these little dresses at Style Hub. So um, I put them onto the website as well, put them onto our, our Style Hub Instagram. Um, they completely took over the Instagram, like everyone was just asking about the vintage. So I was kind of cannibalizing my other business, which was always good as well. Um, And it was all anyone was buying online. So in um, October of 2019, I thought I need to separate out this business because vintage is unisex and I was selling it on a purely girl, like very girly website. So I was kind of um, isolating our male customers. So I created a new brand called Gone Tomorrow Vintage. Um, Which I think is a brilliant name because it's like, oh my God, I need a bite now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. of the one-offs. So, um, so It's actually <laughs> a genius name. I love that. <laughs> so I created the website um, and straight away it just, it took off and has been doing much better than Style Hub ever since. Well, it's really interesting because like you got to the point where you realized, wait a second, I've got two brand identities, two niches in the same business and that can't work. No, it didn't because work. The, because the business becomes muddled. It's like, okay, yes. what is it? Is it a vintage business or is yes. it like a business I go to get like a dress to go clubbing? That, yes. Not that young women go clubbing these days, but mm. you know, a dress to wear in my house to pretend to go clubbing on TikTok. Yes. And uh, you're obviously like – it takes a lot of uh, courage to – to, you know, to really split that bit, you know, because yeah. you, you took a product that was selling a lot out of a business mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, we're going to take that out of a business and mm. we're going to start a new one. Yeah. That takes a lot of courage. Yeah, it kind of did. But it was just a decision. One day I went into the office and I told my graphic designer, I was like, we need a whole new brand made up like yeah. today. Yeah. So she made a logo. I made a website. Shopify website, it was up in like. Oh, you literally just did the website yourself, Shopify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. How good is it on side note having a graphic designer in your team? Oh my God, amazing. It's literally the best thing in the world. Yeah. Because every sale, like just anything, I just 
tell her like a day before, like just make make me some ads. Yeah, but or, just in anything, like yeah. but Laura makes everything look nice. Mm. Like because I like things to look nice. I hate mm-hmm. it when they're shit. So like mm-hmm. if I write a document. I can even documents I can send to Laura and it just comes back this beautiful me. It yes. looks like someone from Apple's made it. I know. You know what I, mean? I like, love that. Yeah. Anything that looks nice is good at yeah. But graphic designers, go hire them. They're amazing. They are. Um it, 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 back on track. Um yeah, so that took a lot of courage. And did you do you feel like it you you were able to split your attention evenly between the businesses or was it kind of like, okay, now I'm focusing on the vintage that the other one already had a team or how did that yes, work? Yes, yeah. Um, I, I definitely neglected Style Hub for a while and that's why the Style Hub online store is still to this day like not as good as I want it to be. Um, but that was because I was focused on growing the vintage so much. You know, you have to put your efforts into where your customers are and at that point that was where my customers were. Um, yeah, put your fo- put your mind yeah. where the money is. Yeah, exactly. Um and I, I already had the two stores with Style Hub and they were kind of bopping along. I had had them at that point for like four years anyway. So um, they were fine. They were taking care of themselves. So I just thought, look, I'll leave them. They can take care of themselves. They've got a team. Um, make sure we pay the rent to Westfield. But apart from that, I'm going to focus on this other business that I think has more potential. And you know what I love about that story? I'm a massive believer on you just need to start, like just do it. Because once you – sometimes, like, you don't know you, – you can't see your second step or your third step until you take the first. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? And, like, you were young. You were 22. You just knew you wanted to be in business. Like you said, you didn't reinvent the wheel. You took a model that worked, that was good, something that you could do, that you felt capable of doing. You started that. And then by doing that, you got the experience, the confidence, you got in the fashion world, you then realized, oh, wow, I, you know, vintage, it's selling heaps. And mm-hmm. you already had the experience from the first business. You then could see your second step, which was, okay, let's actually do something innovative in online fashion retail, yes. which is online vintage. And I never would have got there if I didn't start with Style Hub and start with this generic, like, just I want to be in fashion yeah. kind of mentality. And not that Star Hub's not a good company. No, 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 it's It fine. was just your first company. Yes, exactly. And you always iterate and you pivot and that's the only way you'll find out what you actually like love and what you're actually en- going to end up doing because mm. your first idea is very rarely what you stick with. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Like I used to – I remember sitting back, uh, like sitting in the boardroom at Cub like four years ago and being like, like I, I love Cub. It's such a great company but – but what's, what's like, how can I scale more? Because Cubs, you can't scale very fast. You, you, first of all, you have to find the right members. You have to make sure that culture's there. The team plays a huge role. It's very hard to find the right people. Yes. All this type of stuff. So you can't scale mass. And I remember thinking, oh, what can we do to scale? What can we do to get these huge billion-dollar valuations? And then as the years went by, with ne- now I can finally see what the answer is and it's that this new app. You know what I mean? It's like, mm. it's like I took the first step and now I can see uh, maybe I took the second and third but now I can see the fourth and the fourth is like, yes. wow, okay, that's, that's yes. you know, you just need to keep moving forwards totally. and keep your eye open for the opportunity Because you keep making mistakes and then you pivot and then you make another mistake mm. and then you change again and then somehow it all kind of works out. Yeah, as long as you don't give up. Oh, yeah, hun- yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, if, like, as long as you, there's always a like There's, there's always, always a, a possibility. Yeah. But if you give up, there's no possibility. Oh, completely, completely agree. Wow, that's that's a really incredible story. I I, I can't believe I'd never, <laughs> I'd never heard that before. And what's your character? What what do you think makes you a good business person or an entrepreneur? Yeah. And maybe also, what do you think makes you a bad one? Um, I think that I never give up. That's the first thing. Um. And going off that, um, I'm not scared to just start something and start really imperfectly. And I think that's the key to, I guess, where I am today. Because if I had, hadn't had started that very first idea and if, and if I had thought, hmm, it's not original enough or it's not unique enough, um, then I just would have stopped there and I would never have gotten to, you know, these two businesses that I have today. So, so I think um, just starting and starting just with something. And then not and then, giving up. Yeah, and then, and then yeah. just keep going with it. 
Because completely there were so many times where I could have given up, like so many times. But I just thought, no, this is what I want to do. What's the alternative? What, go and work for someone else in a job that I hate. That was never going to make me happy at all. So I'd rather be miserable <laughs> for a small amount of time um, doing something at least that I love um, and then, you know, building it to possibly become something really great or I just give up and and nothing would ever happen at all. So... I actually have a funny story about that that just shows how much I agree with you. Yeah. I won't say the university, but one of the top universities in Melbourne reached out to me um, to discuss creating, like being part of their entrepreneurial program for, for, for the students. And um, basically they were asking, you know, how should we structure the course, the program? Uh, what do you think people should should uh, what do, what do we need to teach these young entrepreneurs? Mm. And my, I, had th- I just said, look, there's just three things people need to know. Just start, mm. never quit, and make sure you keep learning. Because yeah. if you if you if you don't start, well, you're fucked. You're never doing anything. Mm. If you uh, are willing to quit, well, you you're screwed as well. You, yeah. you you're not going to keep going. But if you if you're willing, if you're not willing to quit, but you don't learn, like you're not continuously learning, then you're going to be going in this in a straight line. You're not yes. going to be going up. So it's yes. going to be like hell. Yes. So you need to start not stop and keep learning and improving. So bettering yourself all the time yep. and moving forwards. And they looked at me, they're like, that is the dumbest thing we've ever heard. I was like, yeah, well, that's why they're that's a university answers. and yeah. that's why you're a business yeah, owner. That was my answer. Universities just don't get it. And what do you think your weaknesses are? Oh, right. Um, I am not a detailed orientated person at all. I'm a very, very, very big picture person um, and that's why – I really need to surround myself with detailed orientated people because, you know, if I have my tax due or like I need to um, sign a document and get it in by a certain date, like I just won't do it. Mm. So um, I need to really teach myself how to become very detail orientated um, because it has gotten me into trouble where I just forget to do something. Yeah, I yeah. relate to that. Yeah, but but I guess you have surrounded yourself with people who are yeah. organized and, and yeah, and yeah, out. exactly, exactly. And would you say your journey in business has been an easy one, or what? I guess what's the worst thing that's happened to you? Um, look, it, I mean, it hasn't been easy, but because I started so young, um, I think that I was able to take a lot of the hits pretty easily um, just because when you start young, you don't have that many responsibilities compared compared to when you start older. Um, When I started, I was living at home. um, So I didn't have to pay rent. I had hardly any expenses. So if my business failed, um, then it didn't matter. You kind of almost had nothing to lose. Totally, yeah. yeah. And also I could put everything into the business because of no responsibilities. But if I was to start when I was like 40 and had a couple of kids and a mortgage, like there would be a lot more on the line. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because maybe that motivates some people a lot more and that they can't fail. Um, but I just felt like I could give it a go and – it didn't matter if it failed. So that's always a good thing. Um, in terms of like a bad time, I just remember last year actually during the beginning of COVID um, when I had my store in Westfield in the city. Um, so, yeah, it was beginning of COVID. It was like March, I think, or April. And um, we had – no one really knew what was happening. So office workers were told to stay home starting from then and like the the city was pretty empty um and our store was still open so there was no like government mandates for the closure of retail at all um so we had to stay open and we had to pay full rent and full staff and everything um so but there were no customers at all like there was no one and we were doing zero dollar days pretty consistently yet having to pay these insane Westfield rents and I was on the phone to Westfield like the leasing guy, um, literally every day, like emailing him being like, I can't pay this rent. Like I have no more money. I'm, I'm done. I have nothing. I had my other business, which was doing well, but there was no way I was going to use that money to fund to just to pay Westfield. And to fund something that can't win. Exactly, like, I can't exactly. make like, money. There's no customers ridiculous. allowed yeah. to come see yeah. me. And it was 
the most frustrating experience of my life. I was like, I was like, guys, look around. There is no one in this shopping center. This is dead. I have never done a zero dollar day in my seven years of being here. And you're telling me everything's fine. So I got to the point where I had no money in that, like in that business to pay kind of that, that shop. Um, and I just said to them, look, I, if I need to like bankrupt this, this, this shop and this business, I will take the keys and I'll, I'll just walk away because I'm not paying you this rent when I've got no revenue coming in. Um, so after that, finally they realised um, about like a month or two later and government rent relief came in and then Westfield off the back of that um, gave their own rent relief. So we kind of like got out of it. Um, and then my lease ended up ending in August of that year anyway. So we were closed for most of that time. Um, so we kind of sorted it out and it was all good and I closed the store. But, um, yeah. Just, that would have been a scary yeah. experience because you're dealing with a huge company. So where's the Style Hub store now? It's in Bondi Junction. And and so is there a store in the city? No, I closed that. Okay, so there was a store in the city yeah, and there's and a store Bondi. in Bondi yeah, Junction. Yeah, yeah. And are both in Westfields? Yes. And and they've benefit- actually, I will say, they've actually been quite good throughout this whole COVID yeah. period. Just now, at the start. They adjusted. It was the they start. They did. Yeah, at the start, they were kind of like, they didn't know what they were doing. Well, I don't think anyone really knows what we're no, doing at no. this point in time. And and tell me, so one of the other positives from um, uh, Gone Tomorrow Vintage mm-hmm. is that, do you have an office? Yes. Where is it? Alexandria. But it would be much cheaper or more expensive? No, it's it's much cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one other, you're selling it. more with much lower overheads. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The overheads for an online store. Is- so you currently have three offices, two well, stores and an office. Well, city's gone. Sorry. But um, Bondi and also Alexandria kind of um, when we're not in COVID, we operate as a store as well there. So okay. we get walk-ins off the street. Okay. So and it's like a warehouse slash store. Yeah. And do, you, do are, you, are you disappointed? I mean, was it sad for you to close the city or was no, it kind of like- God, yeah, I was so happy. <laughs> Yeah, well, so I was going to say that. Was it kind of like, okay, that's a relief. I can keep Sad. focusing on No, on. I was so happy. I was so happy. Why? Because I was stuck there. Okay, never, ever, ever sign a five-year lease with Westfield. You are stuck forever. Yeah. And the thing about in-store retail, physical retail, is when it's good, it's really good. When it's bad, it's really bad. And your fixed costs remain the same. So – um, during Christmas, it's amazing, but during the quiet periods, like, God, I struggled to make ends meet like a lot of the years. And also because it's physical compared to online, the the growth isn't very much. So year on year, you, you don't really yeah, grow don't that much. That yeah, because the amount of people coming in is, is not growing more that much, every yeah. Yeah, year on year. Um, and there's nothing you can really do about it. Like you can kind of advertise and bring people to your shop, but it's not going to make that much of a difference. And what made you choose being in like a shopping centre like Westfields as opposed to finding um, a retail space outside? Um, what well, was funny, when I first started Style Hub, um, have you seen, I don't know if you've seen, um, down in the city there's like these emerging designer markets in mm-hmm. the Westfield in the city. Um, and That's the, cool. That's a cool idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. That, it like yeah, a it's cool. Idea. So the guy who started it um, approached me when I first started Style Hub. I was in like month two, had hardly any stock. He approached me and said, um, I've got this emerging designer market. Basically he leases off Westfield and then the emerging designers sublease off him. Um, so we sublease like – a few rack, rack, some rack space. Um, and then we have our own little business, which is actually a really cool idea. Um, so I did that with him, um, signed up with him. The rent is much cheaper. You don't have to pr- give a bond. Um, you don't have any of the overheads that come with having an actual store in Westfield. So it's a really good idea for um, people who don't want to, you know, who don't have the money. Um, and how, do you have to sign a long lease? Or? No, so they're like three-month leases. Wow, this sounds like an amazing idea. It's a great idea. He did really well f- from it for a while. Not so much anymore. Um, so <laughs> so I subleased of him, did really well, actually did really well from that, took off. Um, and then eight months in I was still with him. <clears throat> so 
At this point, it was actually doing really sorry, well. Sorry, just to, so I yep. can understand. This is your. This is how you got into. Oh, this Westfield is straight away. City. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Store. This is my first store. Yeah. Um, subleased off him for eight months, and then at eight months, I was actually doing really well. So I wanted kind of my own space, so I could uh, make it more like style hobby, like better branding mm-hmm. and everything, instead of just being one of his spaces. Um, he didn't allow me to do that. So I went to Westfield directly and I said, can I have a space of my own? So they gave me a space right next to his space. <laughs> he hated me. Um, made it really cool. Like did my own branding and everything. It was actually a six store. Um, signed a three year lease there and then was still like doing pretty well there. Signed a five year lease. So I after yeah. the three, after the years. three, so it was going to be an eight. It was going to hang be on. Years. It was one and a half. It was one and a half years. The okay. first one, and then a five year. Okay. So I was there for like eight. So seven. you were doing well in the first year well. and a half. Yes, You're like, yeah. okay, yeah, I'll lock in. Yeah, for yeah, five. yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I locked in. Um, Five years is a long. It's a long time. Time, You're like when, it's a really long yeah, time. Yeah, and when you're thinking about it, you're like, like when I was doing the uh, space in in the city, the new clubhouse. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, you know. The, the company will almost be twice its age now. Oh my god, that's what I thought. By the end of the year. So I signed at twenty five, and I thought, when I finish this, I'm going to be thirty. Like, yeah. what, am I going to be married? Am I going to have kids? Like, what's going? What's my life going to be like? Job. It's crazy. Yeah. If you're thirty, it's one sixth of your life. Yes, it's nuts. Anyway, I did it. Um, but in that time, in those five years, it was just so up and down. Like, we'd have one great year, we'd have one shocking year, whatever. It's really hard to build a really sustainable business, I think, in that, in like a Westfield. I mean, I'm not an expert on it, but I would imagine it works best for very large businesses because they're, yeah. they're able to, to, to have uh, much better economies of scale. Yes, so exactly. like, and also because they're more widespread, if one store is not doing well, one city, one country, the others are, it balances out, their margins mm. are higher, they're, they're much more efficient at doing things. Yes. They can afford to pay the huge overheads yes. at the Westfield's cost to be for, uh, you know, boutique stores and things like that. It's probably a lot more difficult. Well, that's why you hardly see any in there anymore. At all like, anymore. It's just all yeah. major brands. You know where you do though? Mm. In Melbourne. Mm. Uh, when I lived in Melbourne for a year or two for whenever I did mm. uh, for, for launching Cub, um, I would like walk around South Yarra or whatever it was and go shopping. And very quickly I realised, oh, Matt, I'm actually buying clothes from the owner of the store. I, know, I love that. Yeah. And then you yeah. realise, oh, you mad, I can negotiate so because cool. it's the owner. So yeah. all of a sudden you can say, oh, look, mm, I like it, but – yeah, I'm not going to spend more than 80 bucks. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, all right, like if you buy this. And yeah. it becomes fun shopping because totally. not just you're shopping, but you're also like negotiating. It makes it well, so, and like you half the like- time I bought stuff I didn't want, but just totally. because I got my, you know, got my price here, matter. <laughs> and you hear the story behind it and everything. It's cool. Yeah. Melbourne's cool for that. And the son or daughter more- there as yeah, well selling. <laughs> but I mean, that wouldn't have been in a Westfield, right? No, no, no. Yeah, exactly. So that's the, the problem. main street in South Yarra. Well, it's for bigger companies. Yeah. But in the sense, I like I'm not completely against that because oh, I mean me. I actually think Westfield should probably have a space in Westfields that they have for like specifically for hey we want this to be local brands local companies like we, we we're kind of subsidising this I don't know if they would like to subsidise anything but but I think it would be good for brand reputation but to have a part of the of the shopping centre that's we want local businesses boutique yeah. businesses even if it was just one section it doesn't even need to be much. Kind of like a formal version of what yeah. uh, the guy was doing that that mm. you left. Um, I think that would be cool. But anyway, even when you're buying boutique things like boutique shops, it is actually nicer to do it, you know, on a really beautiful, like on McClay Street in Potts Point. Totally, you yeah, know, really I love beautiful. That. There's nice yeah. people around. You walk. It, yeah. It's a bit of a, like it's an adventure mm. to go shopping and you're discovering yeah. things. Otherwise, when you go to like uh, shopping centers and you go to like um, chains, mm-hmm. where you know exactly what you're buying, you know where it's going to be in the store. You know, it's kind of like a, I know where it's going. It's efficient and maybe comforting in 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 the fact that you know the price, what it's going to be, you know everything. But there's no experience it takes aspect. Takes the fun to out it. of it a little it bit. It takes the fun yeah, out of it. No, no. no. So so uh, I guess there's there's a bit of place for everything. And what do you think is essential? Like, what do you think is an essential skill or knowledge base uh, that you need? you personally or really anyone in online retail needs to kind of succeed in the online space? Um, You definitely need to know a bit of marketing, just the basics um, in terms of how to get yourself out there to start. So 
we basically use three main uh, drivers to get sales. So um, Facebook and Instagram ads, Google ads, um, EDM, so newsletter and influencer marketing. That's that's basically so all we do. Your 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 primary yeah, but primarily you're just digital marketing. Yes. Do you guys handle that in house or do you outsource that? No, we outsource it to actually a cup member. Oh really? <laughs> Who? Blake. Oh Blake McCola. <laughs> GMS Marketing. Yeah. They were they are a fantastic marketing agency. They, they actually fantastic. were our marketing agency the first three years of Cub until mm. we brought it internally. Mm. Um, um, no, he, they're good. He's the best. He yeah. And he's, he's grown doing. a lot as he's cut. You, it's always nice to see your providers growing as well because it's well, like, oh, they're good. Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, good, we've good been company. with them now for like two years. So mm-hmm. I remember my first boat day at Cub, <laughs> it was like – um, I don't know how long after I joined, not very long, maybe like a month or two after I joined, um, I went on a boat day and I met Blake and we spoke and straight after that, well, I, I went on as a client and ever since then we've been working together. Amazing. It's and awesome. it's been a successful relationship. Yeah, it's, it, really it's successful. Helped, he's helped the business grow. Definitely, and all that yeah. yeah. I need to actually go on and get some cool vintage. I like your t-shirt. Oh yeah. Harley awesome. Davidson. Yeah, it's Matt. I, re- I actually went to go buy a Harley the other day, but you can't. Oh, you really? literally can't buy them because, oh, really? yeah, because all the secondhand stock's been taken. Everyone's paying overpriced for the bikes no, that are available, and oh. they're not ordering any. You can't buy anything. I also tried to buy a Tesla. You'd have to wait until next the end of next it's year insane. to get the new model. Yeah, um, well, I'll hook you up some teas in please. the meantime. No, I'm gonna. Go, yeah, <laughs> I want to be definitely a bit more trendy. <laughs> 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 Laura's face when I just say things is, is half the fun of this podcast. Um, it is true, like, I mean, digital marketing is the most important. It's pretty basically the o- – oh, it's not the only form of marketing an online retailer can have because, like, you have, like, the iconic have the buses and all, all the billboards. But for a boutique online retailer, it's pretty much digital marketing is the way to go. Well, you, yeah, you either have organic or you have digital – and sorry, you have organic – but like it's all digital. Marketing. Yeah, yeah, right. So basically paid or organic. Yes. And, yeah. and and so how do you – if you're competing with all the other boutique, you know, online retailers mm-hmm. um, and the and the, the big ones, mm. um, how do you make your marketing work? How do you stand out? You know? um, I can't really speak to the ads because I don't run the ads, but it, uh, we do a lot of influencer marketing. So mm-hmm. that helps us stand out. Basically what we do is I personally go through Instagram and just make a list of all of the influencers we want to work with. And it's actually quite a, um, an in-depth process of me picking influencers. I don't just go by the amount of followers they have. I follow them for a really long amount of time before I actually reach out to work with them um, because I need to know that their um, audience follows them genuinely um, for the because, right they're, reason. Yeah, because they're interested in, in what they do and they want to be influenced by them. So there are a bunch of influencers who are just like bikini models and their main followers are men. men. Young yeah. men. So you can tell that what I do, this is my like strategy, is I wow. go – I- much shorter strategy, just call me, I'll let you know. Which <laughs> no, see, I would do the opposite of what you tell me to do. <laughs> so I go onto their page, I um, I go onto their most recent photo or any photo of theirs, I go into whoever likes their photo and who comments on it, I pick out like about 100 of their likes and comments. Yeah, so I need to get a snapshot of – who the general followers of this person are. And also if the comments are just like, cool, sick, awesome, you look hot, fire emoji. Mm -hmm. Like too many of those means that A, the the influencer is in a – like a pod. Like a bots. Yeah, yeah, uh, either pod, bots like or People a pod. are just doing that to yeah, help each other so, boost their posts. Yes, exactly. So influencers yeah. are often in pods, comment pods. Um, so they'll all comment on each other's photos to boost up yeah. the engagement of the photo. Team Cub, Team Cub does that on LinkedIn. Yes, you guys do. <laughs> Works well. No, totally. That's good. Um, yeah. But – in terms of me being a brand, like those those people in the comment pod aren't going to buy from me. So if they're in a comment pod, I'm not interested in them because it's fake following. Basically, it's not they're not fake, but no, it's, they, it's yeah, not genuine. They're not going to buy. Yes, they're not going to buy. Yeah. So they're not influenced by that person. They're not influenced. Yes. Yeah. So I'm only interested in people who. Um, 
You know, also another good thing is like when influencers do those question and answer thingies on Instagram, on stories, um, if they have a lot of, like you can tell if the questions are genuine. So it'll, you know, you can just tell, you get a feeling for this after a while. So if they have like a heap of questions come through and, um, you know, and they answer them really well and then you go to their comments and all of the um, all of the comments are like, where did you get that T-shirt or like, you know, this I person love, has I love influence. the style. Yeah. So it's clear that they have influence and the and the comments are coming from just normal girls. So you then you go to their account and they've got like 600 followers or something, just like a really average normal. civilian account. <laughs> yeah. Um so that's always a good sign. So that's how I that's how I choose. An average civilian. <laughs> You're an average civilian. <laughs> Come buy from me. <laughs> Um, that is how I choose my influencers. And then I reach out to them and either their management or themselves and then we negotiate a price. And um, I usually do stories because I feel like they have a much better engagement rate and click-through rate and conversion rate. So we usually do like five slides of stories um, for like X amount of dollars and, yeah. And so you actually – so the influencers have – managers, kind of like an actor would have a manager, yeah? Some of them do. Some self-manage and some are part of agencies. Okay. And if you're part of it, are the agencies normally difficult to deal with? No, or they're really easy to oh, deal with. Oh, they are good to deal with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, they're just influencers. They're not like yeah, famous but, people. Yeah, but almost in the sense these days, they're getting to the point where, like I agree with you, they, they are just influencers and I, I don't even know if, you should, if they should be called influencers, to be honest. Mm. But but you know, th- some are. I will say some. Yeah. The ones that we work with, I've worked with a lot. Some are crap, and some are really good. Yeah. Like some, some have driven some have done a so great job many and have sales. a good business through. You know, 100%. they've got a good business for themselves. But but um, I can't remember what I was saying. But yeah, well, sorry, I was actually thinking about this the other day. If you think about like Hollywood these days, you really don't like. Remember, like people used to speak about when like when we were teenagers. Like you'd always be speaking about like celebrities or mm. like, you know, it was like very like, oh, the actors. And Movie stars. Yeah, but singers. you don't really speak about them no, anymore. You don't, you like don't. now you're more likely to speak about, oh, did you see whatever, like some influencer yeah. who's doing something or like yeah. they have kind of become like they, they do have, I guess the difference between them is they're probably getting the talk, they're getting the talk time that the celebrities used to get. Mm-hmm. But celebrities used to be celebrities because you would kind of admire I guess people do admire them. But they were also like out of reach. These influencers are more. Celebrities um, were talented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they were a great actor. Oh my God, Leo is amazing. Oh God, I wish I could sing like Chris Brown. You know, like. like yeah, now it's just like who looks good posing. Yeah, now it's who is the prettiest. Yeah. You know, it's like, kind of democratized it as well, though. Like, we. <laughs> it definitely has, because everyone has a body. Yeah, exactly. So it's more just about how you brand yourself and how you put yourself out there. And yeah. it's kind of cool that anyone can become that. It is. And it's also kind of cool how they have the power to choose how they're perceived. You yes. know, like, if I want, why shouldn't I be able to, you know, post like this or, or show this? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, they're, and as an influencer, you're a brand. And, you know, you can create a brand any way you wish to create a brand. Just to, like I'm allowed to create any company with with a brand. I kind of, like. yeah, I, I, I love like that about it because now it, it's allowed anyone with a mobile phone to create a business and a brand. Like how cool is that? It's super Whereas cool. before it was only if you had a heap of capital to inject into it. So it would only be like people of rich families and stuff. 100%. And the other big thing that I love about the whole influencer thing is that it opened up a huge – there's a lot of influencers that then move also into to solid businesses. Business, yes. And that opened up a huge generation of young women primarily mm-hmm. that it gave them the ability to to start a business. Mm. Where Without it, they probably wouldn't have. No. And as we all know, we need more women in business, mm. um, uh, particularly young women because a, a, as their businesses grow, they'll hire more women, they'll inspire more women and, you know, the cycle kind of continues, kind of like what have men have had for – for, for, forever yeah. you know it's it's really given that an, an acceleration and I mean that you can never really complain about well there's never been a time in history where so many young people have had so much wealth like I think that's really awesome yeah that's true too yeah that's really true and uh, I guess you're a great example of I mean obviously you didn't get into the influencer thing but uh, you're a great example of someone uh, who I guess knew they wanted to be it was 22 
you wanted to get into business because you, I, I think you said you wanted to control, you know, your surrounding. You wanted to have control, a sense of control. Yeah, I just wanted to, I also wanted to create, like I've always loved fashion and I mean, I could have slogged it out in the fashion industry and like went up the ranks, but I don't think you ever have complete control over what you want to do unless you own the business. And so I, I kind of knew that from a young age, just like with my parents in small business and stuff. And I knew that if I ever wanted to um, cr- like create something from the ground up and and just have complete creative control over it, it would have to be my own thing. So that's where I'm I now. absolutely love it. You're an amazing person. We're very, very happy and grateful to have you part of the community. Ah. Um, so happy to be part of it. Obviously, you're a great friend to, to so many members and, and myself. Um, but why don't we? Uh, do you read much? Um, yeah, I do read. What's a, a book recommendation for the listeners? Um, my definitely my favorite book is Shoe Dog by yeah. Phil Knight, which is the owner of Nike, creator of Nike. What was your key lesson out of that? Because I read was, that and yeah. I, I got something very specific out. Oh, of it. did you? Okay, well, um, mine's probably more general, but just more about the persistence thing. So, oh, that's what I got. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the fact that he had so many obstacles and um, like when he was starting just so much shit went wrong and he just kept going and now it's what it is yeah, today. Yeah, that's exactly what I – I got the same thing from Elon Musk's book. It was just like how are these guys keep ha, – yes. ha, how do they keep going? Because yeah. like it just never worked. It just took so long exactly. for it to work. And and you never know because back in those days it might have taken businesses just that long to get to the point to – to work, whereas these days it's a little bit faster. You've mm-hmm. got a lot more resource, knowledge, availability, there's capital, there's, you know, a lot more things, a lot more inspiration. Whereas they just seem like it never just, you know, and it was almost like why are you still on this journey? Yes. But they did and look what happened, Nike. Well, I think because with all of them, like I've read a lot of founder books and the common thread in all of them is just this, that they all have a purpose within them and, you know, if, what's that saying, um, if you have a, why the how takes care of itself um so it's just like if you have this like purpose and this need within you to just create this thing um you'll just never give up like no matter what obstacles come in your way and that seems like all of these successful founders have always had that within them how do you relate that to yourself um what would you say your why is yeah my why look my why genuinely is just to have freedom for myself. Like that is why I always wanted to get into business because when you work for someone else, you never have complete freedom. And that, and like I or I don't do very well when I'm like stuck in a cage. And I feel like that is what like nine to five work is. So my why is to just be able to live the life that I want to. And I think that is a perfectly fantastic why because these days they tell you your why has to be something super meaningful like for the, you know, you're saving the fucking dolphins or no. something. You know, <laughs> your, your why can be, hey, I want to live the life that I want to live and yeah. and in order to do that I have to provide a great, a great amount of value to the public in some sort of way in mm-hmm. order for myself to do that. I'm passionate about fashion and therefore um, uh, I'm going to, you know, do something innovative in the online fashion retail space yeah. uh, in order yeah. to live to live a, to live the life I want and to be a happy good person I think that's a fantastic why yeah and I mean I think business in general is really good for just everything like I think if everyone just worked in like corporate or something like the world would be a really boring place so I think if we can encourage as many people to go into business we just have so many more ideas it's amazing for the economy where um, employing so many more people we've got all these great new innovative things coming up like it's just it's amazing all round mm, makes the world a fun yeah, place yeah it does um um all right well let's wrap up there thank you so much uh, for this was a brilliant episode. I'm so happy we did this. Um, to the listeners, if you want to learn more about Carla, go to cub.club forward slash podcast and you'll find all the information there. Uh, Carla, what's, uh, what are your websites? Um, gontomorrowvintage.com and stylehub.com.au. I will be going straight to Gone Tomorrow Vintage right after this episode finishes. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs>